Hey, before we get started, if you are ready to pass your exams and become a licensed architect, you're going to want to listen to this. We are revolutionizing architectural education. It is my goal and mission to help as many people as possible become licensed architects while still maintaining their happiness. So introducing the architecture of play. This is our secret podcast series that will transform the way you study and prep for your ARE. Imagine having a happy work-life balance while also pursuing your dream of becoming a licensed architect. I promise you, it is possible. Our seven-episode private podcast gives you exclusive access to the secrets that can make this dream a reality. Remember, the more fun you have, the more likely you are to pass your exams and become a licensed architect. Start listening today at dci.beyoungdesign.com slash secret podcast. Don't miss out. This is going to transform your exam prep and help you enjoy the process of becoming a licensed architect. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome to Design, Create, Inspire with me, Bryn Young. I'm an architect and entrepreneur with a background in interior design and small business management. I have been running a successful award-winning architecture firm for over six years, and I'm here to discuss all things design and business. There are over 1 million podcasts to choose from, so thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. I hope to bring you value with every episode I create, so let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to Design, Create, Inspire. I am excited to be with you guys this week because I have two very big announcements (laughs) and maybe you'll think so, maybe you won't. Okay, so the first one, I'm just going to get to it, is I got a new mic. I don't know if you can tell or not, the sound on the last episode was so painful that I I just couldn't. And I I had been using a mic that was like, I mean, it was okay, but it it wasn't really like made specifically for podcasting. And I figured I was going to give it a couple episodes before I actually did that. But I figured now, you know, we're six episodes in, so I thought... I would get something more professional. So I hope this sounds a little bit more enjoyable. Thank you for sticking with me through that. And I hope that the rest of these podcasts sound beautiful to your ears. So the second exciting news is I am officially a licensed architect. Woo! Again, probably more exciting news for me than everybody else. <laughs> but if you got if you listened to some of my past episodes, especially the one of the first ones where I talk about what is an architect, I talk about how what process I was at and how I hadn't quite been licensed yet and how long of a process it's been and blah 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 blah. And so to be able to finally announce that I am a licensed architect is amazing and feels great. It's funny because a lot of people have said, well, I don't know a lot of people, but I have heard it in the past that once you become licensed, it's not like there's anything that changes. Like the days still go on as normal. Life still goes on as normal, which yes, is true. But there's still just like this weight off my shoulders where 
the last 10 years or so, I've been working towards this goal and it's like, finally, I don't have the weight of another exam or another study session on my shoulders and whatnot. So although life is carrying on as normal, my business is carrying on as normal, there is this clarity and I don't know, ease of things. So it's very exciting. So I also wanted to announce this and explain this because I wanted to show anyone in the process that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. You will get there. I promise you as long as you stick with it and just keep going. And with that said, today's podcast episode, I wanted to talk about how to become licensed architect by 30. So if you're already past 30, these can still be applicable to you. I just wanted to give kind of a a framework for anyone and, and show that it is possible. So let's just dive into it. So I didn't go straight to architecture school when I graduated high school. I actually, I didn't even go straight to grad school after I finished undergrad. And also I didn't pass all of my architecture exams on the first shot. Let's see what else happened when I was in my twenties. Um, I got married, I had a baby, so I became a mom and So I, the whole point of me saying this is that I still like lived my life. I still had ups and downs. My path to licensure wasn't a straight, easy shot. So it's not like, oh, well, easy for her to say she got licensed by 30, but she also went straight to architecture school outside of school, out of high school. She started she's, you know, didn't work. She didn't have a family or a life and she, you know, started exams right outside of school. None of that happened. It's, it's been definitely a journey. Uh, it's been ups and downs. It's been fails on exams. It's been retaking. It's been considering what I'm doing with my life. It's been a lot. So if I can get licensed by 30, so can you. And Again, if you are over the age of 30, if I can get licensed, even you can too. It doesn't matter necessarily in age. You know, these tips can all be applicable no matter how old you are, how young you are. I just like to give this 30 milestone because I think it's an exciting milestone that I set for myself and I think other people can as well. And with that said, you can set any milestone. So say you're 30 now and you haven't even started school. It's not a big deal. You could say, okay, I'm going to be a licensed architect by the time I'm 40. And so it's all applicable, but this is my story. So I'm going to go with 30. (laughs) Okay. So let's, let's get into it. I'm going to have some tips. Let's see. How many tips do I have? I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Maybe I should have thrown two more in there to make it a nice 10, but we're going with eight today. These are just what came out of my head and what I wanted to share. So number one, time block. So I have to show you, I'm going to, when we put together the blog post for this episode, I'm going to put together, or I'm going to show you the actual images of my calendar 
when I've been time blocking back when I was like very first starting my exams and whatnot, because <laughs> I look back at it now and it's like, oh my gosh. So what is time blocking? I, I don't know if many of you have heard about time blocking. It's a pretty common thing people talk about these days. And obviously it's nothing new. It's something people have been doing forever. But it's basically just, it helps you prioritize all the things going on in your life. So for me, um, this was a lot, especially once I was starting exams. I had work, exams, family, baby, all these things. And so time blocking helped me be able to prioritize the different things and get them done. So so what that looks like basically is you plan out your day in terms of hours or or sections. So you may spend your morning working on work for three hours and then you spend one hour studying and then three hours back on work. And then you can also narrow it down even further, like, okay, the first hour I'm going to be working on emails, second hour creative time, third hour writing, that sort of thing. And what that allows you to do is like, especially with emails, you know, you get like 50 emails or whatever a day. And if you are trying to stay up on that as they come in, it's so inefficient and you'll never get anything done. So it allows you to detach from that, work on other things, and then get back to the emails during a certain time. What I also like about that with the emails is it totally depends on the client you have or maybe a boss you have. But I have in the past had clients that like to email like as soon as something comes into their head. So (laughs) if you're responding to each one, honestly, by like the fifth email, Something may have changed from the first email and it's, you can't keep up with that. So what I like to do with the time blocking is you provide space for the messages to come in, the thoughts to clear out, and then you respond with one email. And what's also good about that is it this it sets a precedence of you're not going to be responding Hey, before we get started, if you are ready to pass your exams and become a licensed architect, you're going to want to listen to this. We are revolutionizing architectural education. It is my goal and mission to help as many people as possible become licensed architects while still maintaining their happiness. So introducing the architecture of play. This is our secret podcast series that will transform the way you study and prep for your ARE. Imagine having a happy work-life balance while also pursuing your dream of becoming a licensed architect. I promise you, it is possible. Our seven-episode private podcast gives you exclusive access to the secrets that can make this dream a reality. Remember, the more fun you have, the more likely you are to pass your exams and become a licensed architect. Start listening today at dci.beyoungdesign.com slash secret podcast. Don't miss out. This is going to transform your exam prep and help you enjoy the process of becoming a licensed architect. All right, back to the episode. At 
every moment. You know what I mean? Like you're busy, you're, you're getting other things done and then you respond rationally with one email. So that's just one example of how time blocking really works. Another example is like setting out creative time is so amazing. So like I have quite a few hours of creative blocks in my timeline and and what that means is I can work on a project, I can sketch, I can work on a podcast concept, I can do all these different things, but I know that in that time, I'm not looking at emails. I'm not doing things that don't fit that creative flow. So blocking in that time to get creative is super helpful. And with that said, though, I do want to say sometimes you, well, all the time, you can't force creativity. So just because you have it blocked in your calendar doesn't mean like, oh, now I'm all of a sudden super creative. Sometimes creativity does come at 3 a.m. or (laughs) at 6 a.m. And I, for me personally, I honor that. And so I'll write it down or I'll, I'll sketch whatever I'm thinking. But then I, I like to explore it more during the creative hour. And on the flip side, during the creative hour, if you aren't feeling creative, well, you don't have to force it. You can just do something different, like maybe read a book or even just listen to music or listen to a podcast or listen to something that will start making you feel creative. So I'm not all about forcing creativity because I don't think that that produces anything good, but I am about carving out that time and even just meditating and having thoughts come to you. I think it's all really important. So that's basically what time blocking is. And I think that time blocking is especially important once you start the exam process. It's for sure important when you're in school too, because you're kind of already time blocking based on your class schedule. Those are like built-in time blocks. And especially if you're working too, it's good to time block because then you are working on your projects or your homework efficiently. But it's especially good during the exam process because honestly, sometimes it's, and it depends on who you are, but for me, it was really hard to get motivated to study. It's super easy to put it off. And so time blocking out your day and including studying in there it helps remind you that you actually have to do it. (laughs) And it actually allows you that time. It's so easy to say, I don't have time. And there's a lot of people that don't even start the exams because I don't have time. I'm too busy. Well, I don't buy that excuse because believe me, I'm a very busy person (laughs) and I still get stuff done. So I, I don't mean, I don't know if that's mean to say, but I'm, I like to tell it how it is, so sorry. Uh, but time blocking allows you to do that. Okay, if you're too busy, we'll do one hour of studying after dinner. You know, one hour of studying five days a week, like not even on the weekends, is huge and will get you really far. And I'm going to, sh- like I said, I'm going to show you my time block schedule because it, I look like a crazy person. Um, because that's exactly what I did. And I had, I took my first exam when my daughter was 10 months old and there's no way I could have ever done it or studied or anything if I didn't block out the time. So 
now, of course, like looking back at that calendar, I cringe and it gives me anxiety. Like how did, how on earth did I even manage that schedule? But it did work. It did allow me the time, you know, she would take like a 25 minute nap and I would study in that 25 minutes. And I sometimes that was included with eating lunch, but I allotted that time written down on a schedule just to make it at the forefront of my life. So time blocking is super important. I know a lot of successful people swear by it. I swear by it. If you don't do it, try it. It's amazing. Okay, second thing. I think delegation is huge. Now, I have not always been good at delegating. I'm still working on it, but delegating is really important, especially when you have a lot on your plate. And it doesn't have to be like just with work. It can be at home too. So, uh, you know, everyone's situation is different. Some people are single living at home by themselves. Some people have a big family. Some people are just starting a family. Some people are working and not studying. Some people are studying and not working. So like it all depends on your life. But You know, schools and studying for exams takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of energy. And so communicating that with either, you know, your family who are at home or even like your family that if you live by yourself, even your family outside of your home or your friends, giving them that, you know, communicating that with them of what you're dealing with. And so hopefully you can share some responsibilities. So for example, like if I have an exam coming up, I let my family know, hey, you know, I, of course, I'm going to still be a great participant of this family. (laughs) However, the last week, I'm going to be a little bit more MIA because I'm going to be really studying. So if we can delegate the tasks to maybe someone else that maybe I usually take responsibility on, like I love cooking. So I usually do a lot of the cooking, not because it's like, a chore that I hate. It's I love to do it. But during those those times when I was crunch time, basically, I just didn't have the mental capacity or the time to cook. So either that was delegated to my husband or we ordered out more. And that's just part of it. And that's the type of things that you have to do and be okay with when you're in that process. And learning to get delegate in life is not only going to help you with the exams, with school, at home, but in business as well. Like I said, I'm still working on learning how to delegate delegate properly and sometimes hard when you are hiring someone, but if you can learn to delegate really well, it will bring you very far in life piggybacking kind of on that, or like I was saying about family and friends and all that, is having a really great support group is super important. So making sure that the people around you support your goal, support what you're working towards, because there are a lot of tough moments along the road to licensure, and it's important to surround yourself with people who understand. And, you know, not understand is kind of a a tough term because not everyone might understand what you're going through. So uh, uh, if they don't totally understand what you're going through, it's not a big deal. At least they're there supporting you in what you're doing. Because, you know, I can't say that my husband totally understood what I was going through. I mean, he saw what I was going through and he 
he got it, I guess, but he didn't really understand like the day to day, the stress, the, the, my heart was in it. Anytime that there was a fail, it was like, it was difficult. You know, he, he saw that and was there and supported me, but, um, he didn't totally understand, but, but he was there and he supported me every time I questioned what I was doing. He'd encourage me, you know, to keep moving forward. And, and he would also, you know, remind me there was light at the end of the tunnel. He's a pretty calm person. And so he would help me see that there is an end eventually. Relax, all is good. So having just a support person in your life. And then there was also my dad who was a really good support person person because he did know the importance of being licensed and he he always pushed me to do that anytime I would push off my exams or or he you know he'd be like hey how are the exams going I'd be like oh yeah I haven't really scheduled my next one I don't know he'd be like just get them done just get them done (laughs) so I always hear it in my head just get them done You'll be happy once they're done. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, okay. And so it was good for me to have kind of both of that, like someone who's kind of pushing you and then someone who is supporting you in, with compassion. Not that they, not that one wasn't doing the other, but you know what I mean. And again, like how I was mentioning earlier, support can come from anything. Support can come from your peers. So if you have a really great friend group from studio or from architecture school, they're perfect for supporting you because they really do understand what you're going through. And so you can kind of work with one of them or multiple of them. You can study with them. You can chat with them about it. So that's really good support. And then if you don't even have anyone physically in life, there's incredible support groups even online, like different communities, different Facebook groups. So no matter where you can find a support group, but you have to get that because otherwise if you're on your own, it's just, it will, it's just so much harder. So definitely get a support group. All right. The next one, be okay with saying no. So be okay with saying no to friends, to family, and anyone asking for either your time or your energy, especially when you're you're in the crunch time or you're or just any time. Be okay. Just in life, be okay with starting to say no. You don't have to say yes to everything. You don't have to be a yes man, yes woman. And of course, this doesn't mean that like you can't have any fun until you're a licensed architect. It definitely does not mean that because I had a lot of fun in the process. It just means know when to protect your time and your energy and your mental space because sometimes it's overwhelming and Sometimes you, if you, if you say yes to certain things that maybe don't serve you, then you feel even more drained. At the same time, it's good to have fun and and give yourself breaks. So you just, I, I just think it's important to be selective with what you're saying yes to and what you're saying no to. And people are, you know, people will be really understanding. They know that you're going through a big life process, you know. So I I think people are pretty understanding. And yeah, I mean, like I was saying, you can play all you want. There's, it's not like for 
10 years or whatever, you can't play, you can't have fun, you have to be so serious, you have to study all the time. It's definitely not what I mean at all. <laughs> it just when you plan your study time, be okay with saying no so that you can stick to your goals. It's all about sticking to your goals and achieving them. And I'm not going to lie, this was sometimes hard for me. Honestly, even right before my final California exam, I was the weekend before my exam, I had a friend come into town and I hadn't seen him in like, I don't know, probably over a year or something. And I was like, I can't hang out until after my exam. I can't hang out after my exam, until after my exam. And then they're like, well, we're getting together Saturday night. You want to come over just for a little bit? And I'm like, nope, I'm not going out before my exam. But then I studied that morning and I'm like, well, okay, let's be real. Am I really going to study tonight? Probably not. So what's it going to hurt if I just go out for a little bit and then I'll study tomorrow? And so that's what I did. And it was great. It actually is good because it like allows you to relax. It allows you to have good energy. It allows your body just a chance to, you know, decompress a little bit. So it actually can be really good. So it's not like you have to lock yourself in, you know, a chamber until you're done. It's just be conscious of that and, and just choose your study times wisely. Like, so with that too, if my exam was in a week, for example, I'd only allow myself like one social outing during that last week crunch. And, you know, I was honest with myself if I was actually going to be studying during that time, if I stayed home. And, and so I think go have fun. It how it helps you take the pressure off just do it wisely. Don't do it every single night if it doesn't work for you. Maybe it works for you. <laughs> okay, next one is create consistent goals. So I have always loved making 10-year goals. I've always been a goal person. And I know this can be super nerdy and I know not everyone is into this. For me, I love being able to see where I want to be in 10 years. And Honestly, I think there's some huge power in even like setting those intentions because I think once you set those intentions, they it's it's shocking how right on it ends up being in at least in my case. So that's been my key to success is going back to these goals and writing what has actually happened next to what I wanted to happen. And then I create the next 10 years and then I and I do this like every couple of years, I'll go back and look and this is a great strategy because one, when you write out your goals, you're putting it out in the world as a possibility for yourself and you're actually attracting and creating the energy like it's already happened. You're saying like, okay, 20, 2020, be, get license. And then, you know, you're just, it's just facts at that point, you know, well, it will be facts and it makes it even easier to achieve it once you've done that. And then two, when you go back and you compare your goals with your reality, it's super inspiring. And I, I think it's sometimes you can forget like how far you've come. So it, and also with that, it doesn't mean that like you have to give up if you don't hit a goal or it has to be perfect and you, your goals can always shift and morph. You know, sometimes you have a goal that you had three years ago that no longer applies to your life or it's just not important anymore. I mean, we all evolve and so our goals should be altered, but it's really fun to see where your mindset was a few years ago and then what you've 
achieved. It's super motivating. It's again, it's like you forget or you maybe are blind to the progress that you've come and then you look back five years and you're like, oh my gosh, those were just dreams. Those were just like what I was hoping for to happen in in seven years and look, they happened in five years. So I love this and um, I, again, like it doesn't have to be incredible. It doesn't have to be profound. It can be simple, but it just making these 10-year goals is super helpful. And I think this goes this goes into the next one too because you the next point is don't be don't be afraid bleh, don't be afraid to fail. So, failure in this whole process is so so normal. So, back with the goals, like if you I don't like to say fail a goal because that's not the case. You either alter it you it does it's no longer serves you or you just haven't gotten there quite yet. I don't think those are failures, so I don't even want to use that, but say you look at it as a fail, it's still just part of the process and you have to just know that those these things either they don't serve you anymore. You're going to get there eventually and uh, yeah, I mean, I think that knowing that when you're creating your goals, because otherwise, like, if you if you create your goals and then five years, you're like, oh my gosh, I've achieved one out of five things. Wow, I suck. This is stupid. I'm the worst, blah, 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 blah. Then obviously that's really bad and not a good idea. <laughs> but if you look at it as like, okay, look at how far I've come. Oh my gosh, I achieved that. Look, I'm already halfway there towards this. Anyways, you get it. Back to failure. Uh, So again, failure is part of the process of this whole thing. It's normal. If you haven't heard any of my rants about failure, go back. I have a whole podcast all about failing. I have a whole uh, YouTube video all about failing. I'm all about talking and normalizing failing and being okay with it. Honestly, like, being okay and being comfortable with failure, I believe is like the number one secret to success. Because if you're scared to fail, you're never going to try anything. You're never going to take big risks. You're always going to be living in this stagnant life because you're too afraid to do it. So just do it. Get comfortable with it. Make failure your friend. You know, all, all of it. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you've heard this the, this saying so many times, but I'm going to say it here is the biggest failure of all is never trying or the biggest failure of all is giving up. And, you know, with all that said, like, I feel like there should be a different word for failing in the process of becoming an architect or even just in life, because people literally, I think when they hear the word fail, their body literally like fights or flights. It's like, it's, you know, when you're taking the exam and you see, fail on the screen. That's, it's not good. It's not a good feeling. So maybe if they changed it to like, learn more or lesson learned, or what have I, yeah, what have I learned? I don't know. I, I haven't, I haven't designed it yet, but I feel like when you take the exam and you don't pass, you don't fail. You just have the opportunity to learn more. 
You know, you get the opportunity to understand the information that much better, which is going to make you an even better architect. So yeah, you are out money, you're out time that you spent doing that. But not even because all that time and all that, you know, you learned that information now. Oh, awesome. Congratulations. You get another opportunity to learn the information even better. (laughs) I don't know. This is just, I think having an optimistic mindset is huge because if you, if you just, you, it's all about optimism and self-talk. So like I was saying earlier, if you look at failure as something super bad and you then start having a bunch of negative self-talk, like I'm an idiot. I'm not a good designer. I shouldn't do this. Why am I even doing this? I'm not made for this. This is, this test is rigged, blah, blah, blah. It does not serve you. It just makes you feel even worse and it's not a good idea. So don't be afraid to fail and also watch that self-talk. The next one goes into the same same kind of uh, concept is don't be a perfectionist. Don't be a perfectionist. I know it's so hard to not be a perfectionist, but you'll never see the finish line if you expect anything or everything to be perfect. Perfectionist, perfectionism comes from a fear, fear of failure. I don't know why I can't talk today. <laughs> a fear of failure and a fear of judgment. So if you hold on to these fears, it's going to be so hard to push through all the requirements that it takes to be a licensed architect because it it does take a lot. You can't be perfect. Like if you had the idea that you had to study perfect perfectly or you had to get perfect results on any of your practice exams before you go in and take the exam, you're never, ever going to take it. I mean, I think I was scoring on some of the exams before I went in I was probably scoring like 70 percent I was probably scoring like 68 percent on some practice exams I'm not gonna lie I was like not doing hot on some of the practice exams not all of them and but I just like I you know I know this information it's good go in pass awesome if I waited until I perfected them I would still be trying to take my first exam honestly so don't be a perfectionist and and work through working through fears like this, like judgment or um, failure or whatever, is such an important step to achieving your goals. And like I said, I have a really good podcast all about fear setting in relation to the architecture exams. It's one of the first episodes, so definitely go back and listen to that because that will really help you. And I heard someone say recently that. I forget exactly what it was, but it was basically perfectionists are protecting themselves from either not doing it right or from, I guess it was basically, yeah, be, being judged by others. And so the idea is if you're a perfectionist, you can always blame it on that. Like, oh, well, it wasn't perfect yet. Oh, well, no, I haven't started it yet because it's just not perfect yet. And so you're actually protecting your your ego and yourself from possibly not doing as well as you want or not getting the best grade or someone not liking your product or service or 
all of that. And so you got to let that go in order to just do it and take risks and pull the trigger and get it done. It's kind of like if you if you have the person who's the perfectionist and they're aiming for a target and so they're constantly waiting until the time is perfectly right. The wind is right. The sun is right. The the anything is right. And so they're just like, okay, wait, I'm, hold on. It's almost perfect. It's almost perfect. Wait. And so they'd never pull the trigger where you have someone else who is like, meh, whatever. Let's see. Maybe this will work. They pull the trigger. They're off a little bit. Uh, well, maybe this will work. Pull the trigger. A little bit closer, but still off. Pull the trigger. Nice. Bullseye. You know, by the time that person's gone three times towards the target, the perfectionist is still waiting there, aiming, trying to wait for perfect conditions. So <laughs> if you do resonate with that, then that's probably good. It means that you have started to be aware of it and you can work through it and you can achieve your goals even quicker. All right, the last one, one of the biggest ones is believe in yourself. There will be fails along the way, as I mentioned. There will be tears. There will be a lot of doubt. There will be a lot of doubt. There will be a lot of like, what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this? This is torture. Should I do this? Should I quit? Ah. Um, but if you believe in yourself and you know you can do it and you really, really deeply believe it, then you can do it. You can do anything that you believe you can do, honestly. If you take anything away from this list, I think the most important thing is to believe in yourself because knowing that you can do something super powerful. And so I honestly think believing in yourself is the number one goal to success because also that's what you're telling yourself every day. You are the only one that is with you 24-7. So if you believe in yourself, you're going to always tell yourself you can do it. You're going to have good self-talk. You're going you're gonna to start working towards those goals. Even if someone else like maybe doesn't believe in you or even if someone else maybe is a negative person and is like, no, I don't think that you can do it or maybe you shouldn't do it, you know, that's their opinion and then in your head you could be like oh no they're wrong oh no it's good I got it oh no I'm gonna do it oh watch me I'm gonna do it <laughs> so uh, I hope that this list was helpful oh I think I forgot to mention in the beginning that this list wasn't gonna be like spend 30 hours a day working on this and be done with your architecture exams by or start your architecture exams by the time you're 27 nothing like that it's just uh like mindsets and just everyday life to to get you towards those goals so I hope this was helpful I hope this provided you value and that you enjoyed it I'd love to hear feedback you can dm me on instagram if you want to give me any feedback at be young design you can post a photo on instagram and tag me and i would love to see it i'd love to see what what parts of this you resonated with if i hurt your feelings i would love to hear it too because i just you know i just sometimes i do say it like it is and i i think that that is good that's the type of learner i am i like to hear it how it is Sometimes our ego pushes back, but I think that it's important. So also, if you wouldn't mind taking just not even one minute, like 30 seconds on Apple Podcasts 
or iTunes and just reviewing and and rating the podcast that would be so helpful. I know it seems so weird to to say this and you always hear like YouTube like subscribe and rate and blah blah blah, but it does make a difference for analytics and getting people to find the show. So, it doesn't cost anything except for about 30 seconds of your time and I would be forever grateful. So, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed talking to you guys week after week and excited to continue to do so. Again, if you want to find me, beyoungdesign.com or at beyoungdesign on Instagram or in, uh, Facebook. All right, guys, have a wonderful day. Talk soon. Bye. Bye.